Welcome to Behind the Service Podcast, bringing you real life, relatable, and engaging conversations. Make sure you tune in every Monday morning for A Joyful Life with Jennifer, our caregiver coaching corner. Every Tuesday morning for the military spouse perspective, hosted by retired Navy spouse Becca Hyde as she sits down with other military spouse change makers. And then again on Thursday mornings for our newest series, The Nutrition Minute, hosted by active duty military spouse and National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach Meg Reichert. Through this podcast, she will help you to uncover the ties between your mental health and nutrition and how you can connect the two to provide support as you go through your ups and downs of a busy life and transition. On today's Behind the Service podcast, you're going to be hearing from Nicole Pingle. She is the counseling director for the Ohana Home Foundation, and she is going to be talking with Chris and Kara Athey. Chris is the founder of the Flax Foundation, and they're going to talk a little bit about serving our military community, the story behind the passion. You're going to learn a little bit more in-depth on what it is to be a couple whenever there is PTSD involved and their story. So please tune in as we get to know a little bit more about Chris and Kara Athey and the Flax Foundation. Nicole with the Ohana Homefront Foundation, and with me, I have Chris and his wife, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hey, I'm Chris. I am the founder of the Flack Foundation. And I'm Tara. I am his wife. So we wanted to just get together today and talk about Chris's experience in the military and just what kind of Kara experienced with him. So this is something that's important to both of our foundations. Chris, I'll let you talk a little bit about Black Foundation and then I'll jump in. Yeah, absolutely. So my personal experience with the military, I joined in order to get college and also it was the height of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. I felt like a duty to my country. I, I did deploy to both. Um, my Afghanistan tour was a little bit tougher and that's where the foundation comes in. My friend Bobby Flack, he's as well in that deployment. And uh, like me, he lost some Marines that were very close to him. And he struggled with PTSD and he struggled with an addiction uh, for a while. And that eventually led to his death, at obviously in an early age. So the point of the Flag Foundation was that I started this so that we can identify, address, and combat the issues of PTSD, addiction, and suicide. And our goals as a foundation is to bring veterans together in areas so we can help them find a community within themselves and also to look at organizations that are local to help them find other things that they can get involved in and find ways that they can find healthy addictions is what I call it. Yeah. So with the Ohana Homefront Foundation, so it was started by Sarah Otto, our president, but for me, I currently work with teen and preteen kiddos that have been abused and neglected. And one thing that we do a little bit differently than maybe some other facilities out there that work with children or whatever, is we really try to focus on the experience underneath the behaviors. And we also look at the whole family unit, the whole like everything, because you can't unlink it from one thing or the other. So that was actually something that I really wanted to bring to our military communities and their families, just because if we just treat the service member themselves 
it's not going to be helpful in the long run. We have to treat everybody as a whole. So that's why I'm really happy to have Chris and Carol with us today to talk about their experience. For you, Chris, I know you said a little bit about why you joined the military, but can you expand upon that experience? What made you join? uh, What was going on in your life at the time? Oh, yeah, sure. I was graduating high school and, and I was old enough when when 9-11 happened. So I remember being really upset. And my, my dad had served in the Navy during uh, the Gulf Storm. Both my granddads served in the military during Vietnam. My great granddad was in World War II. My great granddad was in World War One. It goes back all the way to the revolution. Actually, yeah, it's pretty cool. I digress. Being though, I felt a duty and obligation as a person to to stand up and help the community. That was a decision that I made at a very young age. My tours uh, changed a lot because, Mm -hmm. you know, before I even turned 19, I had my first experience with death and with another Marine that was, he ended up dying in action. Mm -hmm. He died later at the hospital. But at that young age, I developed this new sense of trying to handle things like that. That's not something that normal people see. And I I handled that a little bit easier than I did the Afghanistan tour. That was one where we we knew how serious it was going to be. And very early in that deployment, uh, one of the Marines that me and Flack looked up to, who honestly trained both of us, he was killed in action. And that was the one that truly, that truly set it aside for both of us. It it created a whole new whirlwind. That's where my original issue with alcohol started actually. When I got back from that deployment, I was finally 21 so I could buy alcohol. But I used it as an escape. I used it as a way to find sleep and that's a struggle that I dealt with with that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that one. So I'm sorry about all of your losses. I know that there's nothing that I could ever say or do that would make that good, but I do want to say I'm sorry for all of your losses. So it sounds like you two met after you came back from deployment. I feel like it was really interesting when we first met because Kara uh, was going to college in Wilmington and she started volunteering as an EMT. After I got out of the military, you know, I decided to become a paramedic. That's how we met there at that fire department. Yeah. So I feel that was several years, I would say, after the military. And at that point in his life, he didn't really talk much about the military at all. Like he yeah. was closed minded about it. Yeah, for him to not talk about it then to talk about it but his ptsd was very much there without even really knowing him yet it was obvious that you could pick up on little things so i think that now like several years later he's finally talking about it but looking back at it like he he was such a different had a different perspective of his experiences or it's a different way of dealing with it, I would say. Yeah. I'm curious what you saw. You said even a long time ago, it was like you you knew he had PTSD. So what were some of the things that you noticed that Chris might not have even noticed about himself yet? Yeah. He definitely did not like to do anything in large gatherings. He almost avoided anything that was a large gathering. Even like EMS calls, he would get I don't want to say anxious, but you could just tell he was very on guard more so when there was a lot going on and a lot of people around, like concerts, didn't really like concerts, hated New Year's Eve, any of the beef, everyone gathering around to watch like a ball drop is, this is worst nightmare, (laughs) anything like that. So it was more of like your, I guess, 
my psychology degree, like textbook definition of what you think of as PTSD, but that was really all I saw. And he didn't really talk about it. It didn't, he didn't want to. And then drinking. Drinking was the other thing, like where he would drink one drink and then all of a sudden he would be super, super drunk. And it was like zero to a hundred. There was never anything in between. And obviously that early on, I didn't know like that it was used to help go to sleep, but it was a clear, he's fine. And then he's not fine. But those are the only things that I noticed that early on, but even so it was still pulling teeth just to ask any question about anything. Yeah. So I'm curious for you, what was that like to be trying to help him, trying to talk with him about it and just have Chris be like, nope. <laughs> yeah, it was frustrating. It's, I guess it's hard to see somebody that you care about struggling and not have a way to help them. And especially with PTSD and anything with mental health, like, yes, we need to help people, but if they don't want to get better, you also can't make somebody want to talk about it. Right. It was always like a fine line of, yes, ask enough, but don't too much. And is there really, that's such a gray area, I think that. Especially within a relationship too, when you really want to help somebody and when with drinking too, there's so many things that can go wrong with that. And so I'm sure to see him going down that path was just really hard for you. Because like you said, if they don't want the help, there's not much you can do. Yeah. So I think that was more early on. And then you were doing better for, for quite a while. I think once you got involved with the VA and did some like group therapies and and sessions, he, he got a little better and then he stopped drinking like cold turkey for a bit. And then obviously after the accident, I think relearning everything was almost more I don't want to say more traumatic, but it was another traumatic experience. Right. And that was after the accident where you got the TBI. Yeah, I've had like several of them, but the recent one from the car accident was kind of like the the cherry on top, I guess. (laughs) I was thinking about you guys as I was driving home tonight from my friends because I live in the middle of nowhere and this big bird just flew in front of my car and I was like, oh, (laughs) so I was thinking about you guys when that happened. Yeah, and it's hard to like not be distracted or try to swerve or anything really, but right. right. So quick, we just don't know. Exactly. So for you, Chris, so you before like you'd gotten to the accident, so you did some group therapy and stuff. Did you find that to be helpful? What was that experience like for you? Or yeah, start there. Uh, yeah. So with the VA, what I like that they were doing before is they had like specific counselors. So, for instance, while me and Kara were together, when I was when I stopped having a drinking problem, I went to the substance abuse clinic at the VA, and I got linked up with a counselor. And honestly, she was amazing. Me and her, we met for years until she took this new job and kind of moved on. She was always somebody that I could go to after the accident. She was somebody that Kara could go to. Yeah, yeah she was like a point of contact to the VA, which was nice. Yeah. The issue now is now we've gone to this time sensitive therapy. So I've never heard of that. What is that? (laughs) So we did PTSD couples counseling. Uh, 
which was kind of nice because we explained the accident that you know Kara's always dealt with my PTSD symptoms. They were a little bit more severe. And then on top of that, Kara had her own PTSD from the accident. And you know exactly what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Actually, I was going to ask too, with being an EMT, what was that like for you? Because so both of my dads growing up were EMTs and I remember going on calls with them sometimes. And yeah, I can imagine for you, there's probably some stuff with that too. Yeah. It's funny because I I feel like the calls that maybe they were very traumatic. Like uh, I remember I did have a police officer that got shot in Wilmington, North Carolina one day and I responded to that. Yeah. Things like that. The most traumatic stuff mentally though was like when children got hurt. I can't remember if you were volunteering that day, but we had a, a kid that ran up to the front door of the fire department and knocked one day because his friend had been hit out on the road. He was fine, but he was trying to ride his bike. But it makes it harder, I think, because so much. Right. And of what's to be expected and injury-wise and whatnot, too. So I think that makes it all that much more nerve-wracking. Right. Well, and especially, like, to have all of those early life experiences, plus your tours, plus the EMT stuff. Now, fast forward to the accident and add that on top of it. Wow. Yeah, and that's something big that I've been saying, too, is that for us as veterans, at a young age, when our brains are still developing, we're taught these very unhealthy ways to cope with things that maybe we can't control. And that is sad. Because we can't clean up water and there's no way to right. do it. But regardless, we've still treated young minds to think that way. And so as we get older, our minds are still reacting the way that it, it was trained. I think sometimes too, which you didn't touch much on like your mm-hmm. earlier, like growing yeah. up, I think that not to say everyone, but I would think some people go into the military too with a difficult childhood that right difference and Mm -hmm. something to escape and whatnot too so like you're building these new formed habits on top of the right old formed bad behaviors you learn as a child and how much trauma there is from that and 18 like with a growing and developing brain hard to then change your mindset in your mid-20s when you're getting out and trying to yeah i mean Absolutely. And trying to adjust to a world that hasn't shared those same experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. The accumulation of those things that hurts us in the sense that as we get older, we aren't reacting to the to new experiences the way that we should. Yeah, because how could you when your brain is still stuck? I don't want to use the word stuff, but it's still doing the same patterns that it was taught to keep you safe. Exactly. So I I always like right now, I just wanted to go want to go to my psychology spiel that I won't because I will be here forever. I get really excited about brain science. So for for the PTSD couples counseling, what did that focus on? Do you feel like it was really inclusive or I guess did it really just what did it focus on? We'll start there. (laughs) So it had a a focus for each week and it was like a building pattern. So it essentially talked about ways to normal, healthy relationship to build a healthy relationship. Yeah. We definitely did learn some new tips to help out when we're arguing like any couple does. But to be honest, the one big problem that we had, what Kara said, was that you're just, they give you this goal, okay, get to the end of this and then you're done. Like everything's going to be magically better. So you ask us, I guess we got a little bit out of it, but that was it. Yeah, and it's too, like, 
it's very much, I think that we were just in a place where our PTSD, both in right. individually from him as far as military and then from individually from, you remember, from the accident. Right. It was probably too extreme. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but for this type of session, like I felt every week it was, okay, today we're talking about healthy relationships and then we're going to get into what is PTSD and how to deal with it. But if anything that had happened during the week that was problemsome and you would share it, you could only get so many that were like venting sessions where they would say that you couldn't continue with the therapy. Okay. And then how much do you share? And then you lose potential therapy. But also like when someone's PTSD is so severe, you know, in moments of an argument, like calling a timeout is great, but does it always work? Not really. Right. Um, not really. <laughs> Yeah. So I feel like it, it, it's probably in theory, it, it was helpful. I just feel like, unfortunately, we weren't there yet. I think mm-hmm. that it's for trauma, maybe. Because how can you have a healthy relationship and focus on goal-oriented, healthy relationship skills if you don't even feel safe in your own body or the world around you? Exactly. Yeah. And the way that they do the the program is you talk about the healthy relationship first and then the trauma. And to me, I'm like, I get the logic behind it, but it also made it very challenging. You're like, I don't know, it, it just, it made sense, but it also didn't in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe with Carol, like you said, if you were in a different place where maybe some of the trauma piece had been dealt with, then it would have been more helpful. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, like the last four weeks, I think we focused on the actual trauma and that was it. That was the end. Yeah, it's very time sensitive now, which to me is unfortunate. Like it makes me worry for a lot of veterans. Yeah. And one thing that I've heard a lot too, and Chris, I don't know if this has been your experience, but a lot of the trauma therapy was focused specifically on experiences while in the military or deployed. It didn't really address any sort of trauma on either before or after. Yeah, that's true. That's what they, that's kind of been their focus for some of the PTSD counseling that I did. And it helped me replace my mind and on track. Kind of what they focused on was the military and like the military experiences and reliving that where there was plenty of life outside of that, that I needed to re-experience and learn and involve as well. So for you, Karen, what was it like? Did you get any sort of education on how to help Chris with his PTSD or even how to deal with your own stuff? Early on, not really. And then if it wasn't really for his one counselor that he spoke about earlier, um, yeah. I don't have any ways to really help, which is hard because I think... Right. It is something that's so, I think mental health in general is not, we don't know enough or we don't talk enough about it. And I don't know about the brain today and even to have all the right answers and what is the right answer to help somebody that's struggling. So now I know different ways to help, but I definitely didn't until I would say the last year or two. Okay. Wow. Yes. So for you, Chris, what made you decide to start talking about things, like really start being open about your experience? Well, yeah, so the accident did, to be honest. Okay. Uh, so after the accident, I forgot everything. To be honest, I, I remember not too long after I came home from the hospital, I remember looking at Kara and telling her we were still engaged at the time. I remember telling her like, hey, I know we're getting married in six months, but I, I don't know anything about you. I can't tell you oh. anything anything. Wow. Oh my gosh, Carol, what was that like for you? Because I probably would have died. Like, 
It was hard. It was definitely hard. And I think it was hard to see him. Like I put a picture by his bed. I stayed at the hospital the whole time, but I put a picture right. of his friend by his bed and he would always look at it and he would say, who is this? And seeing him not even know him who like, there was, and then a picture of our dogs next to the bed. And he would always be like, I know the white dog, but what is his name? And like, just seeing him struggle through the most simple thing. And then right. realizing, I guess I never put two and two together that wow, he doesn't remember me. He doesn't remember these pictures, but to be like, he doesn't even remember me is hard. And I think it was almost harder when he started to remember things to be like, gosh, how much do you like, how much do I begin to remind you of things? Like, do you right. military? Do we talk about your childhood? Is what part good to not remember certain things. I don't know. Like when I it was so hard to balance and then things just came back so quickly that it was like one day he woke up and he almost remembered everything. And I think that was so hard for him mentally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's made me uh, want to start talking about it more and, and to be more open to discussing it because that, I do realize how much can be taken away in that moment mentally. So I've got this new appreciation for while those things may have been horrible, I've got a new appreciation for being able to remember them. And so with that, I've just taken that a step further and realized even after that accident, when I started talking about things, uh, Bobby Flack was the third, he was the third Marine in a week that uh, died of addiction or suicide. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what made me start this foundation. And that's why I started it this past October because that was on, I started it on his birthday. And, and that's the goal is to help us start talking about it because it's a hard path to walk down. I do think it is so important. And Kara, I love hearing you share your experience too, because that's what the Ohana Homefront Foundation really wants to bring to the table too, is some of that, I, I guess, the brain science that you were talking about and just the point of view of the caregivers, the kids, people in the community, because like we talked about a little bit, it is impossible to separate early childhood experiences to the car accident to whatever, because all of those things tie in together. So again, I'm really nerdy when it comes to the science piece and with what I know about the brain. So that's my area of expertise is how trauma impacts the brain and the body. And to speak a little bit to what you said, Chris, like the brain doesn't fully develop until like we're 28. And that's like the latest research I've read. So it's amazing. Are you talking about your experience literally going to war at 18, 19 and the training that you have to undergo to be able to do that and stay safe? And I know, Chris, you've heard me get really nerdy about like why you can't just let it go, why you can't just forget. And so I think that's some of the knowledge that I want to bring to caregivers as well is this is why this is happening. And here's what you can do to be there and help in that moment. And so giving people tools and resources and connecting them with caregivers and also just with other resources in the community, too. So we really want to take that holistic approach. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And we love that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's great. It's, it's something that needs to be talked about and addressed. Absolutely. Good for caregivers to, to learn <laughs> the very intricate ways that we need to be talked to and helped. And, and vice versa, it's good for veterans to realize the impact that they're having on their family. Absolutely. Because 
families go through their own things too when the service member is deployed. Life doesn't just stop because someone is gone. Whoever is at home has to learn how to take care of the kids by themselves. And that doesn't just stop when the other person comes back home. So now you have two other like dynamics coming together. And so you have to learn to redo things within the family. And that can be really hard, especially like Kara, you said for Chris, your mind was stuck in a certain pattern. So there was a certain way you want to do things. But what if that doesn't flow with what Kara's pattern is? And then what and there ends up being conflict surrounding that. Absolutely. And then I think is more of a challenge if you throw in, yes, addictions, but then suicidations too. Like, where is the line of what to say and what not to say when you have that fine of like PTSD and then suicide, suicidal thoughts? And then when you bring a family into it, like that right. whole other level of stress, but also something that you want to protect children from, but also right the right way to approach it. And I think it's so not talked about that it's hard to have those answers when you're in that situation. Absolutely. I think a lot of times, even being in the mental health field like I am, when people hear the word suicide, they get really scared and you want to say the right thing. You don't want to maybe give people thoughts that, hey, maybe do this. So you try to tiptoe around the subject, which it actually ends up making things worse. And you also, if you don't know that, then if you don't have those skills, you can't do it. And then you feel really helpless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the goal really is to empower people to heal and to thrive. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what our goal is just to, to help out all the veterans and their families and mm-hmm. you know, just try and help fight the war at home. Is what I feel here, like the battle at home. Yeah. I always go with there's those of us who are meant to serve, and then there's those of us who are meant to serve those who serve. Absolutely. That's true.